The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. So excited to have everybody listening again. We're so excited to have uh, our guest today. And what a what a great week this week. It really just had a whole week of highs and lows. We're actually going to be talking to uh, our group about that. So uh, excited to have you guys uh, around. I just had a power flicker there, so I was making sure that I was still live and, and talking to you guys um, and, and wanted to make sure that uh, I was still going. We've got some thunderstorms rolling through my area right now, so it's a little hit and miss at the moment. But uh, yeah, I was in Atlanta this week. I uh, got a chance to spend some time with uh, Dee Dee Magno Hall and Clifton Hall, great friends of mine. Uh, you guys know uh, Dee Dee from The Party, who uh, actually our lead-in music for the radio show is uh, the song Switch, which is available on iTunes now. Uh, so for the people that love the beat that uh, that we do our lead-in music from, that is Switch on iTunes uh, from the group uh, that I, I manage and produce called The Party. Uh, and Dee Dee was uh, in a play called If Then, which was a fantastic play in Atlanta. Got to go see uh, opening night uh, in Atlanta, have some time and fellowship with them. Uh, and then got to meet Anthony Rapp. Uh, so for those of you that have heard my No Day But Today speech, uh, and if, if you haven't, you can go to the voiceamerica.com website, search the Work-Life Balance Show, see any of our shows or listen to any of our shows through iTunes or the Android app um, or through the Voice America app, which is available and download on any of those uh, uh, platforms. But my No Day But Today speech in, in, in the whole motivational platform that I've been working on through that um, Anthony Rapp was one, the original Mark in the play and, and knows Jonathan Larson personally as well and uh, just got a chance to meet one of my idols. So, so excited to meet Anthony. And so I've got pictures of the event, pictures of me and Didi, pictures of me and Anthony up on my Twitter. That's at Rick A. Morris. Uh, so please go check that out. Follow us on Twitter uh, and engage with us. Next week coming up, I'm going to be at the uh, John Maxwell live event going on in Orlando all week. So any of my listeners in Orlando, reach out to me. Love to catch up with you guys there in uh, O-Town, my hometown. Uh, it's going to be weird again because the event is actually being held where my high school prom was. So that's a little weird for me to be in the building uh, professionally where maybe some things uh, that were not so professional occurred. And uh, But we'll be back uh, there in Orlando. Uh, so any of my John Mack. Maxwell team listeners that uh, are part of the show as well. Uh, look forward to seeing you guys out there. So let's get right into the show this week. I've got a great uh, event planned for you today. Um, as, as you guys know, also, I'm a huge sports guy. We've got the Olympics going on right now. And so it's just a very timely uh, uh, time to have this chat. Uh, this gentleman is a longtime baseball and softball coach. He's been a professional hitting instructor uh, and is an author, public speaker, and mental performance coach. He's got a new book called Tired of Having It But Not Using It. 
it, which is written for those who know they have what it takes but keep falling short. Sounds like a lot of us out there. And uh, for those of you that uh, may already be wildly successful, you always know there's room for improvement. Uh, he's been a coach, a, a training uh, person. He's worked with athletes for the better part of 20 years. He's developed his own unique system, uh, including key mental and proprietary training methods and techniques that has helped countless players reach levels of performance and mental toughness they've never even dreamed being possible. So let's bring this gentleman on. Love to talk to him about it. Todd Thomas, how you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks for having me on today. Good. And that delay scared me because uh, for a second there I was talking to myself again. Uh, so oh, uh, no. <laughs> keep uh, <laughs> keep talking to me. Make sure that I got power. That's the biggest thing. And uh, Todd, uh, just tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, um, you know, a, a lot of what you covered right there uh, in, in terms of the, the number of years I've been, I've been coaching and working with players and, uh, and, and doing hitting instruction and whatnot like that. And about seven or eight years ago, I really transferred over into like a mental performance coach uh, because not only did I see the need in it for myself, uh, but because of struggles that I've had throughout my life, and I know a lot of us go through, have gone through these, whether it's lack of confidence or struggling with confidence in certain areas or, or being frustrated that you, you know you have the potential for, for bigger and greater achievement. And, uh, but uh, as far as on a personal level, I don't know if you if just want me professionally or, or on a personal level. But uh, well, I... Personally, because, you know, I was going to say, looking at your bio here, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Cowboys fan. So, you know, I saw that. I thought maybe that'd be interesting for the, the listeners a little bit as well. Oh, great. As, I'll give you a quick story then uh, related to the Cowboys. Um, when I was about 10 years old, you, you remember Roger Staubach, don't you? <laughs> well, who, who doesn't? I'm not, not that old, but, but old enough, sure. Roger was a hero of mine when I was a young boy, and uh, he came to my hometown, uh, McAllen, Texas, when I was growing up, and I chased him basically all over town trying to catch up with him to get his autograph, and I kept falling short of of getting that opportunity. And so I met him at his hotel when he was just walking in, uh, getting ready to call it a night. And I caught him at the door of the hotel. And I said, Mr. Staubach, uh, may I please have your autograph? And he turned to me and he said, I'm sorry, son. I signed my last autograph for the day. And that pause Uh-oh. was, that pause was me going with my mouth open. And he says, just kidding. <laughs> He's just, oh, just kidding. My yeah. Yeah. He was, he was totally messing with me. If you're a cowboy fan, I thought you know you might like that story. But um, yeah, I, I'm from Texas. Uh, I certainly am a, a cowboy fan. Uh, I'm really a baseball guy, as you've mentioned. So uh, I'm, I'm a Ranger fan, and and I've loved for the many years that I've been coaching to work with baseball and softball players and hitters, mostly baseball because I have three sons. Um, uh, my oldest played college baseball. My second oldest is on the track to play college baseball as well. And, and I just love the game of baseball and, and what it, and how it, you can look at it. And it's such a microcosm of life. So then what led you uh, to become an author and, and write a book then on personal potential and confidence? Sure. And like I mentioned, you know, for many years, I was coaching players on the, men, on the physical side of the game. And what I noticed Oh, I'd say probably about seven or eight years ago, what really became apparent to me was for, a, for not all, but many of the players and athletes that I was working with, 
I was creating, not intentionally, <laughs> it's just the way it was, what I call batting cage all-stars. Um, when they were in the batting cage, when they are at practice, they could really perform. But when they stepped between the white lines, that's when it fell apart. They were mental train wrecks. And that bothered me as their coach. Again, not all, but many. And that bothered me as their coach because I want them to succeed. So I took a headlong dive into studying the mental game, teaching and implementing it uh, with my players. And what, what I found was a number of players that I had that were just mental train wrecks turned into solid and productive performers that were not only leading a, a, a better life between the lines mentally, but it was carrying over outside the lines as well. And some of them actually encouraged me. They said, you know, you should write a book. And I thought, yeah, yeah I'm going to do that. And so in 2014, early 2014, I started writing that book. It was called Mind Over Batter, How to Be a Better Hitter Instantly, which, by the way, I'm still working on. <laughs> but it took a sideline <laughs> when I, yeah, it took a sideline when I went to a book event looking for a publisher. And when I read this short story that I had prepared and was well-received, a girl came up to me and said, Todd, you're going to really do good at this writing thing. You have that it factor. And when she said that, it, it, it almost like it just hit me at like a ton of bricks right there. I thought, you know, I feel like uh, I've been successful with this. I have a message that can help these players on and off the field. I have potential myself for greater achievement. I'm going to write a book that's more, a little bit more encompassing. And so that's what I did, which is what I wrote, the tired of having it but not using it. And I took what has been working for me and what had been working for my players for, you know, six, seven years, and I made it more general so anybody in any walk of life could look, take the, these principles of mental performance and, and confidence boosting and help them stretch and reach towards their potential. So I was doing some show prep today and in, in trying to get ready with you, and I talked to, to one of my best friends, Tony Webster, in, in trying to you know, get ready as I normally do. And Tony Webster played uh, college baseball. He actually runs a, a, a youth group here uh, for, for baseball and, and teaches awesome. uh, some, some fantastic stuff. And, and my company, R-Squared, is a sponsor to, to him. And, and uh, we, were, we were strategizing that kind of stuff and, and came up with an analogy, you know, around, you know, how do you, how do you bridge the two worlds, right? How do you bridge the world of baseball and the, the world of business and everything else? And, you know, I was – describing to him my week. Like I said, I, I met somebody who was a hero of mine um, and got to take some business steps there, uh, which was a dream come true. Um, the next day, lost a client, which is is kind of the lowest of lows. And then right after losing a client, had to step in and perform for another client. And they really didn't care about any of the other stuff that had occurred. And, and so, you know, you liken that to, you know, I, I hit a walk-off grand slam in game six of a World Series and then struck out with the, the bases loaded in, in, you know, inning three of, of game seven. And here it is, you know, inning seven, and I've got to step up to the plate, uh, which is that third call, and really have got to get my mind right and, and perform. And so do, do you use analogies like that when you're doing this? So how, how do you bridge the two worlds when, when you're trying to talk to, to business? Well, I obviously use a lot of baseball metaphors and whatnot because 
I played baseball. I've been coaching it and working with player, uh, player, baseball, softball players for so long. So I use a lot of those metaphors, you know, but a lot of it, just if you just change the terminology, it crosses over, uh, really, because when I talk to, say, uh, an athlete, you know, a hitter, and um, I tell them, okay, what is the number one thing to being a good hitter? And when I ask them that question, they'll usually come up with all kinds of answers, keeping their eye on the ball, you know, uh, uh, having good technique. And I tell them, well, mechanics really, in my mind, comes third. The number one thing to being a good hitter is confidence. That is the number one thing. Well, when you look at that in, in the business world or in life in general, you know, um, Napoleon Hill wrote in, in his book, Think and Grow Rich, when you take inventory of your mental and emotional liabilities, you will discover your greatest weakness is a lack of self-confidence. And so that's the one thing I start talking about with people outside of, say, athletics, is their confidence level. Here's an interesting thing about confidence. Some people will say, well, I'm a confident person, and I don't doubt that they are. But here's the thing. We're all confident about things in our lives, some things that we don't even give a second thought to. Like, I'm I'm perfectly confident in my ability to use a knife and fork to eat a steak. I don't even give a second thought to that. But if you were to put down a, uh, a meal in front of me and hand me a pair of chopsticks, having never used them before, I'm not really confident in my ability to use those and be able to feed myself very well. Uh, sure. Another example I use is that, you know, uh, I'm perfectly confident in getting up and speaking in front of audiences. But if you were to ask me to go out and go deep sea fishing tomorrow to catch a marlin or whatever, or catch a shark, I have no confidence. So the point is, we all have confidence, and we all lack confidence in certain areas. The question is, is, is the areas that you lack confidence, is that important to you in your life? For me, going out and deep sea fishing, that's not important. No big deal. But if I didn't lack confidence in being a speaker, and that's what I want to do, that is important to me then that's an area that I would need to address. Well, and I think that's a great point. And I think that's a perfect point for us to take our first break. And when we come back, I'd like to, to talk about, you've got you know s- several things that, that you kind of bust some common myths around fear and, and certainly around com- uh, confidence. And you've got a system uh, really around what you call confidence that sticks. So we'd love to delve into that. Love to have our listeners come back and, and hear about that. And we'd love for our listeners to check you out while they're there. So you can go to todd-thomas.com, uh, check out his website, Uh, Find out all about Todd and also check out CA.com and rewrite.ca.com, which is our number one sponsor to the show uh, during the break. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Today, every business is in the software business. 
And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other, where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage, where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back. We're talking to uh, Todd Thomas. Todd is a, uh, a batting coach, a hitting instructor uh, that's been working with baseball and softball uh, uh, players from around the world, including uh, Texas Rangers. Also, have been working with the Dallas Mavericks, uh, Dallas Cowboys. You guys, you covered them for a long time. He's been in radio and, and uh, on uh, various networks uh, all throughout your career, and has now turned that and parlayed that into a uh, speaking and leadership and coaching uh, career. Has written a couple of books. Got a new book that uh, actually is going to be coming out uh, uh, soon. Which is the and that's the one that's if you have it, um, that's that book, correct? That's correct. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm I'm on cloud nine a little bit today. Not uh, mine doesn't have lightning, but um, uh, in my book came in the preview copy that I in in uh, in the mail today. So I'm holding it in my hand. Um, it's the last one that I just looked through real quick and and then call them and say, "Hey, looks great, run it." And so we're that close. It's, I'll have them in my hands to ship out in the, in the next two weeks, but I have a copy in my hand today, which is exciting. So, yeah, so as an author myself, that is the coolest feeling, right? When you're actually holding the book, right? It's a labor of love for sure. There's a lot of work that goes into it, but when you actually get to hold it yourself, yeah, I, I definitely know that feeling. Um, one, one cool feeling that, that comes down the pike too is when you actually get to sell the international rights and you get to see, like I have a, my, my book uh, has gone international. And so when they sell like the Lithuanian rights, so I, I have different versions of my book, and so I have a Lithuanian copy of Project Management oh, that works, wow, which, nice. yeah, it's crazy, but in, in different language, it, that's kind of cool, too. And they ask you to approve it, and you're like, I don't know. I have no idea what the book says. 
right? But uh, that, that's kind of funny. But getting back to Todd. Um, so, Todd, we, right before we went to break, we, we started talking about that you had some common myths about fear and really kind of a system around building confidence. So what is confidence, really? And, and I like the fact that before we, the first break, we got to kind of talk about uh, or I got to introduce how we all have confidence. We're all confident in certain areas, but we all lack confidence in certain areas, too. Again, we just have to evaluate, is where I'm lacking confidence something that's important to me? And then that's where it would need to be addressed. It's my opinion that throughout, gosh, the years, we've really been taught the wrong rules about how to apply confidence, mostly in that most people, when they think of confidence, they think of it in terms of a feeling that they have to have before they do something that uh, is important to them or that they have courage. And uh, in my confidence that sticks system, um, I introduce 10 new different and radical, I think radically different set of rules for what I call the confidence game. And the first two I'll kind of tell you about now that, that really helps define and answer that question. You asked me, what is confidence really? And number one is, the number one rule of the confidence game is the actions of confidence come first and the feelings of confidence come later. See, normally it's taught the other way around. You have to feel confident before you act confident. And that doesn't work. And that has been tremendously successful. That one rule right there has been proved for me to be tremendously successful with my athletes, where I teach them that they, if they will just simply act confident and carry themselves in a confident way, they will feel more confident as, as they have the success that they're looking to have. So the actions of confidence come first. The feelings of confidence come later. And then rule number two is genuine confidence is not the absence of fear. A lot of people think when they think of confidence, they also kind of think of courage and they think of an absence of fear. Genuine confidence is not the absence of fear. It is a revolutionized relationship with your fear. And so I tell my so players and my athletes all the time, it's okay to be afraid. It doesn't mean that you can't still act confidently. Yeah, I like that. So, first of all, it's almost, and I've been told this all my life, and and I've used that act as if, right? So it's act as if you've been there before, act as if you've done it before, even if you haven't. Um, not a false confidence, but a strong confidence, right? Strong. So, meaning, so as a project manager, and parlaying this to to the the wide range of my audience here. Uh, a lot of my audience is project managers. In, in, in project management, in my world, where a project by its very nature has never been done before. Now, the processes have been followed before, but we've never done or produced the product or project that we're, that we're doing. And so when we walk into the room, I want to instill a confidence that we're going to achieve the goal. We're going to do this. I don't know how, but we're going to do it because we've done it before. That's what we do. And, and so that confidence factor of just knowing we're going to solve the problem. I don't know how yet. I don't know when. I don't know how much it's going to cost or who, who's going to come up with a breakthrough. But I know there's going to be a breakthrough moment. I know somebody in this room is going to solve the problem. And I know we're going to fix whatever it is that we've been designed or convened to fix. And having that confidence as the leader walking in is, is instilling that confidence in the team. Is that, is that kind of parlaying your message? Absolutely. Yes, very much so. In that, that you t- 
take the the actions of confidence in your uh, the way that you approach it and the way that you talk about it, the way you feel, whether you you know may have a doubts of how is this going to come together, um, you know uncertainty or even you know loosely using the word fear, you know, and not not in you know, one, say one sense, and there's different. There's lots of synonyms for fear, just anxiety or anxiousness or uncertainty. You know, fear of fear of failure. You know, fear can certainly encompass a lot of different things. But excuse me. But that acting, the acting, and that knowing with that certainty of we will make this happen. We've done it before. Uh, that that's that encompasses the actions of confidence. And then the feelings of confidence, as you start to put the thing together, and you start now, you, it starts coming to, together, you say, oh, okay, I think, I see how this is going to happen now. That's when the feelings of confidence may flood in. Gotcha. And then the, your second point, the way I feel, you know, about that or parlay about that, as a professional speaker, and, you know, I've done, you know, close to probably a thousand speeches now around the world, my best speeches are when I have the most butterflies. My worst speeches are when I feel overconfident, almost like I'm overprepared, but I don't have that fear that I'm not going to do well, if that even makes sense at all. So when I go in feeling like, like, oh man, I got this, I'm going to kill this one, I'm so prepared... I fall down. When I walk in feeling like I haven't prepared enough, I'm going to bomb this thing, they're not going to like me, those are the ones I knock out of the park. Absolutely. There, there we are back to confidence. Genuine confidence is not the action, the, the absence, rather, of fear. I, I, I did a, uh, uh, a live bro- uh, broadcast, if you will, on my Facebook page recently, and I somewhat talked about that, and I made the point that if you are feeling fearless, which I don't believe really, it, I don't believe fearlessness exists unless you're, you know, Iron Man or Captain America or 007 or Jason Bourne. Um, we're all fearful in some way. It's a natural human response. But if you're fearless or if you're feeling fearless or, or uh, unstoppably confident, you're most likely firmly planted in your comfort zone. <laughs> because whenever we as human beings, it's just the way that we're made. It's the way we're designed. Whenever we step outside of our comfort zone to grow and stretch ourselves and face a genuinely challenging situation, we will feel fear. We just will. And if we're not feeling fear, we're not probably stretching ourselves enough. We're firmly planted in our comfort zone. Well, and interestingly enough, again, a mentor of mine, somebody I look up to quite a bit and and somebody I get to work with quite a bit is is John Maxwell. He's got a book out there called Sometimes You Win and Sometimes You Learn. And he says, you know, basically, you know, failure is only a failure if you haven't learned from that. But when speaking specifically to your point of, of being within your comfort zone and your strength zone, uh, sometimes winning too much is a detriment and is a, a bad performance piece as well. And so he has a chart that he has in a book talking about your strength zone, your comfort zone, and what your result is. And if you're inside your strength zone and you're inside your comfort zone, you're only really capable of a good performance. 
But if you're mm. inside your strength zone and outside of your comfort zone, that's when you're capable of great performance and winning is continual. But winning is only possible if you're inside your strength zone, inside your comfort zone. If you're outside your strength zone and outside of your comfort zone, winning is impossible, poor performance. So I thought that was right. interesting as a, as a tie-in in for you there as well. Oh, absolutely. Listen, we're right up against our next uh, uh, break here. We're going to take another break. We'll be back with Todd Thomas. Uh, listen to our sponsors. Come back and join us on the Work-Life Balance here. You're listening to Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the work-life balance. And we're back. And I get uh, sidetracked quite a bit and just got hit with a, a text message. My, my friend, Didi Magno Hall, that uh, I, I got to visit with this past Tuesday, also voices a cartoon, uh, Steven Universe. She's the voice of Pearl. Uh, we just released a song uh, probably about six months ago that we had recorded a couple years back uh, called L.A. 
And uh, I'm always amazed as to what people do with the internet. Somebody has now taken the fact that she raps on that song and has mixed it with her voiceover work on Steven Universe and looped that onto YouTube, and that has gone viral. And people are now sending that to me on my Twitter, so I appreciate that uh, uh, diversion. I uh, love what people do with their creativity and, and find that hilarious, and so does Didi. So we appreciate everybody sending that to us. Um, back to Todd Thomas. Uh, Todd, we were just talking uh, before break really around confidence and how much fear kind of plays um, into confidence. And, and there's a lot of, of myths about fear. And we, we talked about John Maxwell um, and in his uh, book, Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn. And I actually teach off of that book. And that one of the things that they teach in that is is not to be afraid to fail. It, you know, people ask me about my companies. I've got, you know, a couple of successful companies. They ask me, where does that success come from? And, and I said, well, you didn't see, you know, the, the 37 failed companies that I had previous to these where I learned mm-hmm. something from all of those. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what about fear? What are, what are some of the myths that we've been told about fear and, and how does that kind of perlay into your system? Well, I, first of all, I, I love that. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, my message to uh, people also is that it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to feel fear. In fact, Fear is a natural and normal human emotion. I believe that, you know, since we were young, fear in many ways has gotten a bad rap, okay? It's uh, when, when, we're, when we're young and, and we we're afraid that there's a monster under the bed, what are we told? Oh, don't be, don't be stupid. There's no such thing as monsters. And so what's the message that delivered in order if that's delivered? If you feel fear, you're stupid, um, Fear, don't uh, don't uh, don't worry about that guy over there. He, uh, you're just you're being silly. Uh, and so uh, the message is, if you're feeling fearful, you're being silly or dumb, or it's a sign of weakness. And that, to me, is one of the biggest myths there is. Fear is a sign of weakness. Fear is what is holding you back. Fear is false evidence appearing real. I don't buy into those, and I uh, vehemently disagree with all of them. In fact that fear is a sign of weakness uh, i just that that has hurt so many people because they think if they feel fear they are weak and i my message to them is no if you feel fear you are a normal human being <laughs> that's that's what it is because it's our it's our simple at our basic instinct it's our fight or flight response when we step out of our comfort zone as i mentioned earlier when we're facing a genuinely challenging situation we will feel Fear. It is a, not a sign of weakness. Um, I did a, uh, a deal again on my Facebook page recently about there, there's this. You, tell me, have you heard this saying before? Be fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. I have, I have. And you know what? At face value, it looks great. Yes, be fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. And yet, um, I contend there is no such thing as fearless. If we all have, as human beings, we have our flight, fight or flight response. We all feel fear. The only fearless uh, people out there are the ones I mentioned before. Iron Man, Captain America, guess what? Jason Bourne, 007, guess what? They're fictitious characters. Yes, they they don't feel fear, evidently. And I love those movies. Don't get me wrong. I love them, I love them, I love them. And I, and I love watching those movies, but we all feel fear. And, but my, my problem with that is when people see that, be fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. While that sounds great, 
somebody's going to read that and they think, oh gosh, I'm a fearful person. I, I fear this or that or the other. And they think there's something wrong with them. And that's part of my message and what I teach people in my confidence at stick system is that fear just means you're normal. Yeah, I, I've heard that before, and it's a wordsmithing thing, right? People think that, that when you throw a bunch of cool words together that it turns into a, a mantra. And uh, I'm, I'm a more fan of be relentless, right, um, yes. versus being fearful, right? Relentless Absolutely. sends the message of yep. I, I, I'm not going to give up. Um, but being fearful is is quite okay because... Fear, fear instills the values to me because I'm fearful every day. I'm, I'm fearful uh, that I'm not going to provide. I'm fearful that I'm not going to come through. I'm fearful that, you know, quite frankly, I'm not going to wake up. And that, that drives me the, to be a better person on a daily basis. And I think that that sure. drives the work-life balance that we're going after. And, and we can take fear and use it as you have and you talked about earlier as an ally in our success, as a, is a motivating and driving factor, if we know how to handle it and deal with it in our lives and then channel it, we can actually use fear as, a, uh, as part of our success uh, drive. Well, I think, I think it comes into like everything that we teach. And, and, and we have to be careful in everything that we teach and we have to be prudent in everything that we teach, but you have your strengths and your weaknesses. So fear can be a strength, it can be a weakness, but I think that our greatest uh, weaknesses can be overdone strengths as well, right? So people that can be too fearful or they can be not fearful enough, and it's finding that unique balance and that unique strength profile for all of us, right? I can be not confident enough, and I can be overconfident. It's finding that balance that works for me and my personality uh, and knowing when to dial up the confidence and knowing when to dial down the confidence. Right. Um, that becomes that unique person for me. And, and that's the other funny thing uh, that you know I have to make sure that I'm reminding my listeners in my seminars is that you know, you can't take what I say and how I say it and immediately do the exact same thing because it doesn't fit your personality profile. You have to be able to take it and be confident within who you are and be fearful from when, within who you are and be able to apply it within your message. Yes, and I'm not, I don't talk about fear in terms of an inflated ego or an inflated self-esteem, if you will, in that... Um, you look down on or, or, or step on other people in any way, shape, or form. The way that I define fear, uh, confidence in that way is that it is the fact that you can do the things that are important to you. You can take control of your actions and, uh, even when your thoughts and your feelings are negative and uncomfortable, be it fear or, say, negative thinking, negative thoughts. Well, and I think that that's an important point that you're bringing up. I mean, addressing the positive and, and negative thinking, what about some of those thoughts and affirmations? Yes, and now you've really hit on another one of my, it's not just uh, messages, I feel like. It's one of the major causes, Rick, of low self-confidence is negative thinking in the form of excessive expectations 
and harsh self-judgments. And when I say it like that, it may sound like I'm going to go down the road, the positive thinking road. Not, not, not really. Um, positive thinking is certainly good. Optimism is great. I, I try to be positive and optimistic as often as, as I can. But I don't know if you've noticed in your life, it's happened for me, and it's been reinforced through all the people, either clients that I work with or athletes, but negative thoughts and feelings still seem to pop up no matter how positive that you try to be. And um, I, we can talk, I, I don't know what to, how we're looking on, on time because i got a little bit more to say about this uh, in terms of we, positive we got, and negative. We've got a couple minutes. Go for it. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, for most, you know, negative, really, negative thinking is kind of our um, original language, if you will. Uh, not, not just outright negative, but just kind of a negative slant, if you will, because of the way that we were brought up, things that were ta- said to us young or things that we saw on TV or in the movies, and we have that uh, negative, those negative thoughts that can pop up from time to time. And some will say that you have to eliminate negative thoughts, and I say that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. There's an old, you know, Zen proverb where a young monk was asking his master, he says, how do I find the greatest Zen master in all the land, in all the world? And then the master replies and says, find the person who says they have eliminated all negative thoughts, and you'll know that's not the person you're looking for. <laughs> in other words, wow. we, can't elim- we can't and will not eliminate them all. Um, so then what do we do with negative thoughts? Well, other people will tell you that you've got to overwrite them. You know, you've got to overwrite them with, say, positive affirmations. And what's interesting about that is, you know, like such as, you know, as we've heard before, I am a winner, I'm a lovable person, I, you know, those sort of things. I will succeed no matter what. And there's actually no scientific research that shows that that actually works. In fact... Studies reveal the opposite. If you look it up, there's a groundbreaking study called Positive Self-Statements, Power for Some, Peril for Others. And the studies show that ultimately, these positive, positive affirmations made most people feel worse, mainly because their brain would end up getting into an argue, argument with itself. <laughs> you know, I'm a lovable person. No, you're not. Here's the list of all the reasons why you're not loving. You know, I'm laying you keep going with it. Next thing you know, you're getting your car. You drive off. You drive down the street. Somebody cuts you off or they do something that makes you mad and you, you know, make an uh, unfriendly gesture their way. And there's your brain again going, ah, see, told you you're not a lovable person. And so for many people, it, it's actually a self-esteem um, uh, What's the word I'm trying to look for there? It, their self-esteem gets a blow from positive self, uh, positive affirmations. That's interesting. In fact, uh, was it Carl Jung says, until you make the subconscious conscious, it'll rule your world and you will call it fate. And I think a lot of times when people are trying to use those positive affirmations, it's bringing their negative impact or their negative thoughts to their subconscious, uh, from their subconscious to their conscious, and, and then it's basically ruling their lives, right? And that's where those, I, I've seen a lot of those studies and what they're saying is essentially by by me bringing my negativity 
in trying to solve it through positive affirmation, right? I'm basically bringing all the negativity I feel from my subconscious to my conscious on a daily basis and making it conscious on a daily basis and therefore having the negative impacts that I'm finding. I've seen a lot of those types of studies that are out there. Um, I I think this is a good place to stop. We've got one more break. Uh, Please stay with us. We've got a lot more to discuss and a short time to do it. We're talking to Todd Thomas. Uh, Come find us uh, right afterwards. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand. They are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back for the final segment of this Friday afternoon of the Work-Life Balance. So right before we went to break, we were talking about positive thoughts and negative thoughts, how to overcome those. And Todd, did you have a final comment on that? Uh, I did. And that is because uh, a lot of people say that you have to, uh, you have to, over, you have to get rid of negative thinking and, um, and say limiting beliefs and such. And my point is, is that as try as we may, uh, our brains, just the way that they work and are designed, are still going to have those in there. Now, we, 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 we keep our positive and our optimism top of mind. We, we, we strive for those positive actions like, you, like we were talking about. 
uh, where it reinforces. But the, the negative thoughts still can pop up from time to time. And just to prove to you that a, a, a thought, even though you may not have thought about it for years, you may have put it completely out of your mind for 10, 20 years. It's still there, and I'm going to show you in five seconds or less. Are you ready? Sure. I'm going to, I'm going to say a phrase, and I want you to um, just say the first thing that comes to your mind, the first word that comes to your mind, okay? Mary had okay. a little... Lamb. Okay. Let me ask you, Rick, when was the last time you thought about that phrase, Mary had a little lamb? Ten years? Twenty years? Uh, I'm not a good subject because we, we <laughs> actually did this about three three days ago. Oh, you did? Yeah, but that's that's another story that's probably okay. not safe for work. <laughs> but fair enough. I get the oh, point. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, about that. Okay. However, say before that how long it had been. Ten, you know, it had been for a, a long most, time. We'll certainly get exactly. the point. For just the person I would catch on the street. Now, if I said Mary had a little, they're going to say lamb. Or if I said every cloud has a similar lining. lining, those thoughts, they're still in there. The negative thoughts are still going to be in there somewhere. And from time to time, depending on what's going on up in our lives, those things are going to pop back up into our consciousness. And it depends on, my point is, is that it's okay and know that they're there, that they might pop up. It's not in trying to get rid of them or, or overpower them or, or whatever. It's in how to react and respond to them when they do, when our thoughts are negative, when our feelings are uncomfortable. It's how do we react and how do we respond. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the learning of, of the control of that in, in the rational, irrational and in, in the different responses and, and learning not how to get in. And, and I think uh, and I'm not sure who I read this from, but the shame spiral. That's that's the biggest thing, uh, you know, keeping yourself away from that, recognizing that you're in that shame spiral and, and being able to pull yourself out of that um, is, is the biggest thing that that I, I certainly have learned because they, we, we tend to compound those negative thoughts on top of ourselves um, and that's when we really can, can start to bring ourselves down. So Todd, um, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, final point my, on that. my last thought on that was our, our, our brains have this, what I call our, our, our radio station that seems to be broadcasting uh, 24-7 and it's, it, it's bent on pointing out our, fall, our faults flaws and failures. Maybe not all the time, but it's going to point them out whenever we have a failure or whenever we make a mistake. And my point is to people, and when I talk about my confidence in sick system, is that it, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're normal. That's just the way the brain works. What you want to learn how to do then is how do you, how do you deal with that those thoughts and feelings when they do crop up? And I, I tell people you, you disconnect from. You have to separate yourself from those thoughts. You don't don't fight them. You're not trying to get rid of them because they're going to come back from time to time. You separate yourself from them. Disconnection. Absolutely. I've learned how to have a little fun with it, right? So I, I do a whole speech on connotation and, and the meaning of connotation. And so as professional speakers, right, we see people leave the room 
Um, and immediately, of course, your your thoughts are negative, right? Yeah, I'm boring them. They're leaving the room or whatever. But then again, right. I can decide whatever place on that person leaves me in the room. Like whatever I just said was so awesome, they're going to call their spouse right now and tell them all about <laughs> me, right? So whatever it is, um, you know, I can choose whatever connotation I want um, to, you know, that person's not sleeping. He's in deep meditation, just committing every word I have to memory, right? So it, we can do whatever we want. Uh, so it doesn't have to be negative and we can learn to put positive positive connotation on anything and everything that we see, and we can just simply choose to live our lives that way. And it, it is a training mechanism. It is a muscle that you can flex, um, and it's learning how to flex that muscle. Um, Todd, why don't you uh, tell everybody how to find you, how to find the books, um, and how to get in contact with you. Awesome. Um, first, my, my website is todd-thomas.com. Uh, don't forget the dash in between, todd-thomas.com. And when you're there, there is a link that says, you know, get the It Factor Action Guide. That's my, my new book, Tired of Having It But Not Using It, Eight Secrets to Kicking Your It in Gear. Um, but you, or you could just go to todd-thomas.com forward slash book. Uh, also there at my site, there's a link that says Confidence Mastery for Your Best Life Guaranteed. And I have a, a bunch of material on there about my confidence that sticks system. It's, it's more than just about uh, building confidence overall. But it's about um, the dealing with uh, positive and negative thoughts, um, fear and uh, anxieties, uh, self-doubt, that sort of thing. And um, uh, it's, it's all spelled out right there uh, on, my, on my website, todd-thomas.com. Well, Todd, we certainly appreciate you uh, coming on to the Work-Life Balance, sharing with us uh, your system. And uh, if anybody's interested in getting in touch with Todd, please go to toddthomas.com. Don't forget the dash. And, uh, of course, you can come to the Work-Life Balance uh, show page and find him there. Uh, So, Todd, we appreciate you uh, coming on the show today and sharing with us. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you, Todd. Next week, we've got Jen Henry coming on the show. She is um, actually a psychic uh, ability person who actually teaches and trains other psychics and uh, is going to be a fascinating show. I've had some pre-show work with her already, uh, and she's just absolutely a fascinating person to talk to. Uh, Again, next week, I'll be in Orlando all week at the John Maxwell event. So if you're a John Maxwell person, uh, John Maxwell team member, come find me. Uh, I'd love to uh, see you and meet you in person. And, of course, coming back next week, you know how fired up I am always after being at one of those events. So please do tune in next week to Work-Life Balance. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 